This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual abuse, suicide, and suicidal ideation that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. On May 20, 2012, John Wangsgard climbed up the stairs to his house, a heavy feeling in his heart. He hadn't seen his 53-year-old wife, Leslie, all day. He was worried. Leslie had been struggling with depression for months. She spent entire days in bed in a near catatonic state. As he climbed the stairs, John reassured himself his wife would be fine. After all, she'd been seeing a new spiritual leader, a woman with long flowing hair, all-knowing eyes, and extraterrestrial origins. With Teal Swan by her side, John was certain Leslie would be able to defeat her demons. John pushed the bedroom door open. His wife was prone on the bed. When he called out her name, she didn't respond. Filled with dread, John lay a hand against her cheek. It was ice cold to the touch. Leslie was dead. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Cults for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This week, in a one-part episode, we're taking a deep dive into the digital age cult of spiritual guru Teal Swan. Teal claims she's an alien from another planet, tasked with a divine mission to heal the world. 
Her followers hope that by taking her counsel, they can attract happiness and abundance into their lives. They know Teal by many names. The Arcturian Soul Fork, the Indigo Child, the Spiritual Catalyst. Her detractors know her by another name, the Suicide Catalyst. Teal Swan was born Mary Teal Bosworth in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on June 16, 1984. Shortly after her birth, her parents moved the family to Logan, Utah, where they accepted jobs as forest rangers. The family lived in a small two-room cabin with no indoor plumbing. Neighbors were few and far between. Furthermore, what neighbors they did have were devout Mormons, much like the rest of Logan's populace. But Teal's parents didn't belong to any organized religion, making her an outlier, an outcast among her peers. She was also isolated in her own home, unable to forge a connection with her mother, Bobby Bosworth. Bobby dreamt of a happy, bubbly daughter who would be a carbon copy of herself. Teal was the antithesis of this, introspective and wary of the world around her, adding to her isolation. Teal claimed she was born with extrasensory abilities. Teal claimed that from birth, everything around her appeared as energetic vibrations. Where others saw negative space between solid objects, Teal saw waves of energy connecting all things as one. She also claimed exceptional hearing that allowed her to hear tectonic plates in the earth moving. She could also see through skin into people's bodies allowing her to diagnose illnesses before even doctors could. She could also see and communicate with ghosts and angels. As a child, she tried to share this particular gift with a teacher by giving her a message from her long-dead father. According to Teal, the woman responded with terror. While some of Teal's claims can be explained by synesthesia, a neurological condition that causes people to see sounds and hear colors, Her other self-aggrandizing assertions about having X-ray vision, psychic powers, and supersonic hearing might be a sign of narcissistic personality disorder. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. Teal's claims of being born with extrasensory superpowers suggest a pathological need to be recognized as special and superior. According to the DSM-5, people suffering from narcissistic personality disorder have a grandiose sense of self-importance. They're overly preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited power and brilliance. When Teal told her parents about her abilities, they weren't sure what to do. They never co-signed her belief that she had superpowers, but they did allow that she had heightened sensitivities. Her parents were friends with a local veterinarian and health expert who Teal called Doc. When Doc offered to mentor Teal and help her to deal with her sensory overload, her parents felt a sense of gratitude and relief. However, according to Teal, Doc had far more nefarious intentions. One morning in 1990, six-year-old Teal was riding her pink bike around the block. Unbeknownst to her, Doc was tailing her. Once he determined there was nobody around, he pulled Teal off her bike and raped her. After the brutal assault, Doc revealed that he was Teal's real father, 
Then he promised to kill her entire family if she ever told anybody what he'd done. Teal was terrified, believing every single word out of the adult's mouth. After the attack, Doc started taking Teal to meetings with two cults, the first a satanic coven and the second a Mormon blood covenant cult. The latter believed it was their job to rid the world of evil. On the contrary, this satanic coven wanted to commune with the devil. Teal claimed that for the next 13 years, Doc pulled her out of school during the day and snuck her out of bed at night so that he could take her with him to cult meetings. According to Teal, he'd do this right under her parents' noses. Teal claimed that she was raped, tortured, and abused at these meetings. The members of the Mormon Blood Covenant cult believed her powers were from the devil, so they performed exorcisms on her. Conversely, the Satanic Coven believed she was an oracle with the ability to access the underworld, so they drank her blood in an attempt to gain her mystical powers. Most alarmingly, Teal claimed that she witnessed members of the Satanic cult ritualistically sacrifice several children. Teal herself was often used as bait to entice these children into fatal situations from which there was no escape. If Teal's claims of abuse are to be trusted, her daily life from the ages of 6 to 19 was one of endless horror. Believing that Doc would indeed murder her family should she speak up, Teal cut herself and attempted suicide several times to deal with the mental strain of her double life. Teal's parents couldn't understand what was causing their daughter's distress. They took her to therapist after therapist to no avail. They leaned ever more on Doc's largesse, encouraging his continued visits and mentorship. On different trips, Doc allegedly dosed Teal with ketamine, a form of veterinary anesthesia. He drugged Teal to better program her. Programming is what Teal called the brainwashing technique Doc used to ensure her compliance. The ketamine put her in a suggestible state, making her more likely to believe every lie he told her. According to medical information company Cerner Multum Incorporated, dizziness, hallucinations, and severe confusion can all be side effects of ketamine. These things were all part of Teal's daily hell with Doc. She thought she'd never escape her abuser. And then one night, Doc made a mistake. In 2003, Doc dosed 19-year-old Teal with ketamine, as usual, and threw her into the back of his van. After years of being drugged, Teal claimed that her tolerance for ketamine was so high that on that night, she remained conscious, if groggy. Teal's vision swam as Doc drove his van down the dark road. She had no idea where he was taking her. After hours of driving, Doc pulled over in the middle of the woods. He dragged Teal to a clearing and showed her a dead body. Then, trying to convince Teal she was responsible for the man's death, Doc threw her to the ground and screamed, look what you do when I'm not watching you every second. On prior occasions, when Doc told Teal she'd committed some horrible crime, her memory would be so ravaged by ketamine that she'd believe him. She'd believe that she needed Doc, because without him, she was capable of all manner of evil. But this night was different. 
This night, Teal hadn't lost consciousness, so she remembered everything that had happened. When Doc told her she killed the man in the woods, Teal didn't believe him. This moment of disbelief triggered a complete dismantling of Teal's trust in Doc. After all, if he was lying about this, what else could he be lying about? That night, after watching Doc eat pieces of the dead man's body and burn the remnants, Teal got into her car and drove three hours to Salt Lake City. As the road unfurled behind her, Teal realized she was free from her abuser for the first time in 13 years. Once in Salt Lake City, Teal took refuge with her friend Blake Dyer. She didn't know him that well. They'd only met once before. But what had struck Teal about Blake was his innocence and kindness. In her moment of distress, she gambled that she'd be safe with him. At Blake's prompting, Teal told him what Doc had done to her over the past 13 years. Horrified, he promised her she could stay with him in Salt Lake City. She never had to return to Logan again. She quickly settled into her new life in Salt Lake City, even briefly dating Blake. But the scars of Doc's abuse remained. At the urging of a new boyfriend, 20-year-old Teal decided to get help in 2004. She went to a therapist who specialized in ritual abuse, Barbara Snow. During their sessions, Barbara helped Teal work through her childhood trauma. Due to the graphic nature of the crimes, she also insisted that Teal report Doc's abuse to the police. The following year, Teal went to the North Park Police Department in Logan, Utah, the police found her credible enough to move forward with the case. However, Teal was still too terrified of her childhood abuser. She refused to testify against Doc. The case stalled. Teal did her best to carry on with her life. She enrolled in a local college for a short time, majoring in philosophy, before dropping out, throwing herself wholeheartedly into winter sports instead. Teal employed a similarly indecisive approach to her love life. After breaking up with the man who encouraged her to go to therapy, in 2006, Teal married her next boyfriend after only a few months of dating. Less than a year in, the relationship imploded and Teal got an annulment. Months later, she remarried, this time to a man named Mark Scott. Teal and Mark enjoyed a far more stable relationship. It's potentially this supportive foundation that gave her the courage to return to the North Park Police Department. This time, she was determined to bring Doc to justice. But the police hit a snag almost immediately. Though Teal claimed years of graphic physical and sexual abuse at the hands of Doc, they found no corroborating evidence of this abuse on her body. Even more concerning were the details the police dug up about Teal's therapist, Barbara Snow. She was heavily involved in the satanic panic phenomenon. In the 1980s, Americans were glued to their TV sets as they watched newscasts detailing horrific accounts of satanic adults forcing children to drink blood, eat feces, mutilate animals, and witness human sacrifices. Despite a total lack of physical evidence, at least 26 people were sent to jail. Their convictions were based off of statements from the young children alleging the crimes and the supporting testimony given by the therapists who treated them. 
Barbara Snow was one of the most notorious of these therapists. Several of her underage patients in Lehigh, Utah, claimed that they were ritualistically sexually abused. Barbara accused potentially dozens of adults of sexual crimes. But in a subsequent trial, one of her 10-year-old patients reportedly testified that she initially tried to convince Barbara that she had never been abused. She claimed that she only gave in to the therapist's relentless pressure after realizing Barbara wouldn't let her go until she accused someone of ritual abuse. The sheer number of accusations suggested a modus operandi of a therapist with questionable ethics at best and destructive practices resulting in false memories at worst. Barbara's past and the lack of physical evidence corroborating Teal's claims in the present made investigators loathe to pursue a case against Doc. So, once again, the investigation stalled. The discovery of Barbara's past raises several questions. Were Teal's traumatic memories of Doc's abuse entirely fabricated or warped by Barbara Snow with a satanic overlay? More sinister, were these memories of abuse wholly implanted by Barbara in therapy? Therapists who suspect a repressed memory utilize many techniques, such as hypnosis or focused probing questions, until they unearth the hidden traumatic memory they believe is responsible for the patient's present malaise. However, the concept of a repressed traumatic memory is controversial. Prevailing studies show that when a person experiences a traumatic event of the ilk described by Barbara's patients, they're much more likely to remember said event in graphic detail. Despite being made aware of Barbara's past, Teal insists that her memories of Doc's abuse happened. She remembered them happening. But no evidence has ever been found to substantiate Teal's claims. Still, this didn't stop Teal from using her satanic victimhood bona fides as a foundation on which to build a spiritual empire her harrowing story of survival would ultimately lead thousands of depressed people to place their unwavering trust in Teal. Next, Teal starts a YouTube channel, causing followers to flock to her in droves. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. By 2008, 24-year-old Teal Swan had worked hard to establish a new life for herself in Salt Lake City, Utah. Wanting to move past her childhood of traumatic sexual abuse, she pursued a career as a speed skater. 
However, Teal claimed that her training for speed skating was at such an extreme level that she was putting herself into premature menopause. This claim might be yet another sign of Teal's narcissistic penchant for exaggeration. Although she described her foray into winter sports as a serious career, the truth is Teal never placed in any competitions or races of record. After consulting with various doctors, Teal decided, along with her husband Mark, to quit professional skating so that they could try for a baby. In 2009, after a year of trying, 25-year-old Teal gave birth to her only son, Winter Scott. According to Teal, the minute she saw her son, she was filled with fear because Winter had a crystal aura. Teal credited her own indigo aura as the proof of her extrasensory powers. On seeing her son's crystal aura, she immediately knew his extrasensory abilities would eclipse even her own. This discovery made her realize she could no longer run away from her abilities. She had to learn how to deal with them so she could guide her son. Eventually, Teal realized that she should be thinking bigger than just helping Winter. She needed to help the world. She decided to start a YouTube channel to share the inherent knowledge she possessed from her extrasensory abilities. Despite Teal's claims of egalitarian motivations, there's a more likely explanation for why she turned to YouTube and not the Salvation Army. In a since-deleted blog post, Teal recounted knowing that she wanted to be famous and on people's television screens since she was four years old. Whether she was inspired by charity or narcissism, 26-year-old Teal began making YouTube videos in early 2011, Initially, she uploaded a video series called Ask Teal. In her 30-second to 20-minute videos, Teal claimed that the universe was comprised of energetic vibrations, or source. People were one with source energy, their bodies merely a temporary physical manifestation of their higher selves. Teal also claimed that death was impossible because the higher self was eternal. In her videos, she claimed her higher self was an extraterrestrial from the planet Arcturus. Since death was impossible, Teal claimed to have lived 12 times. Teal also preached the law of attraction. She claimed this was a universal tenet, dictating that positive thoughts and beliefs manifested a positive reality. By the same token, negative thoughts and beliefs attracted negative realities. However, manifesting desires wasn't as simple as thinking positive. According to Teal, people's realities were also affected by negative thoughts they might not even be conscious of. She called these negative subconscious beliefs shadows. In order for people to attract the positive things they wanted, they must first do shadow work to root out their negative core beliefs. It's only when these beliefs were remedied that people would be able to manifest the things they wanted. It's obvious why this belief system was attractive to Teal's viewers. It preached that death was temporary and their higher selves were eternal. Furthermore, it stated that everything they wanted was theirs for the taking. All they had to do was hyper-focus on their desires, identify and remedy their negative core beliefs, and boom, they could manifest millions of dollars, sexy soulmates, and as Teal claimed in an early interview, even the ability to fly. It's important to note that this belief system was not unique to Teal. The Law of Attraction was based on a belief system popularized by Esther Hicks, an inspirational speaker in the 1980s. 
Neither was shadow work entirely Teal's invention. Its method of leading questions in search of unconscious beliefs bore startling similarities to the probing repressed memory techniques used by therapists like Barbara Snow. Despite the lack of originality in her core teachings, when Teal began uploading videos to YouTube in 2011, her content resonated with viewers across the globe, which begged the question, if Teal's gems of wisdom weren't unique, why were people watching? It's likely that people gravitated towards Teal due to three factors. She was a sexy, super-powered survivor. Teal was beautiful, and it was a key component to her success. Psychologist Rick Wilson and economist Catherine Eckel discovered that attractive subjects gain a beauty premium in that they're trusted at higher rates. Wilson and Echo's research goes on to state that people also assign positive traits like competence and intelligence to the beautiful. This suggests that even though Teal's content wasn't entirely original, her beauty made viewers see her as more intelligent and trustworthy than her competitors. Therefore, viewers flocked to her. Teal was well aware of the effect of her beauty. In an early video, she claimed that a panel of extraterrestrial beings from the planet Arcturus chose to make her beautiful because they believed it would better aid her in spreading her crucial teachings. In addition to her beauty, Teal's claims of extraterrestrial origins were a huge part of her appeal. In early videos, Teal claimed these powers allowed her to access the Akashic Records. The Akashic Records are every idea and or thought that has ever existed in the universe. They're a theosophic concept that was popularized by Russian philosopher Helena Blavatsky in the late 1800s. The Akashic Records are also colloquially called the mind of God. Teal claimed to be able to tap into it at will. It's obvious then why viewers gravitated to her channel, her content. The law of attraction and the concept of shadow work weren't new, but viewers believed that if they consumed Teal's version of these ideas, they'd be learning from a person who was able to access the mind of God at will. Teal also used her claims of surviving grievous childhood abuse to advertise her channel. This assured potential viewers that whatever they had been through, Teal had overcome much worse. Thus, if they adhered to Teal's teachings, they too could transcend the painful circumstances that brought them so much grief. And Teal's early subscribers were well acquainted with grief. In interviews and testimonials across the internet, Teal's followers, and some of her ex-followers, claimed to have been dealing with divorce, job loss, the death of a loved one, or even just a general period of directionlessness, when suddenly they stumbled upon one of Teal's videos. This was intentional. From the early days of her YouTube channel, Teal utilized search engine optimization, the process of using specific keywords and phrases to drive traffic to a website. She purposely targeted a depressed, despairing audience. In an interview with Gizmodo journalist Jennings Brown, Teal stated, most people were going through a huge crisis, and then they typed in something like, how do I not kill myself? and my videos popped up. I specifically try to go for tags and things like that that capture that audience. It makes perfect sense that an audience of people who were desperate for a remedy to their pain wouldn't stop to question the outrageous claims Teal made about her abilities. 
In 2011, her YouTube channel steadily picked up thousands of followers who eagerly soaked up her teachings. And her following wasn't restricted to the online realm either. She began to attract real-life followers, most significantly, Leslie and John Wangsgard. According to reporting by Gizmodo journalist Jennings Brown, before Leslie met Teal, she struggled with depression. She'd done everything she could think of to remedy it. She'd been to a psychiatrist and was prescribed the antidepressant Paxil. Then, one day, Leslie and her husband John bumped into Teal at a dog park in Salt Lake City. After striking up a conversation with her, Teal told John that they had known each other in a past life. By the end of that first meeting, John and Leslie were completely taken with Teal, so much so that they helped her fund her first live synchronization workshop. In this workshop, Teal answered questions on stage from a live audience of her followers. For many of them, this was the first time they'd interacted with Teal in real life. Outside of her workshops, Teal offered John and Leslie one-on-one healing sessions. Over the course of her time with John, Teal convinced him to go off the antidepressant Paxil. Leslie also tried to come off of Paxil, though Teal claims this was not at her prompting. Side effects from weaning off of Paxil can include withdrawal symptoms like insomnia, anxiety, dizziness, and even suicidal ideation. John Wangsgard witnessed similarly adverse symptoms in his wife. In an interview with journalist Jennings Brown, John stated that coming off of Paxil left Leslie almost catatonic. In addition to weaning herself off of the drug, Leslie had another burden to shoulder. Through the course of her one-on-one healing sessions with Teal, Leslie had uncovered a traumatic repressed memory. This may be because Teal's brand of healing, shadow work, was similar to exercises utilized by repressed memory therapists, such as a series of targeted questions about the root cause of Leslie's depression. The problem with this technique is that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If a therapist or spiritual healer believes that all negative emotions like depression is caused by childhood trauma, then all treatment from that healer is going to be geared towards finding that trauma at all costs. It's easy to see then how a healer who's motivated to find trauma can, through targeted questions, lead a patient into believing that trauma has occurred. A study published by the Association for Psychological Science showed that memories recovered in therapy are often unreliable because the therapy context often involves an explicit effort to unearth forgotten memories and thereby raises the opportunity for suggestion. However, Leslie didn't question the validity of the memory Teal helped her recover. Despite the denials of her mother, Leslie believed wholeheartedly that her biological father repeatedly raped her in childhood. This memory left Leslie despondent and more reliant on Teal's healing than ever before. But a year into the treatment, Teal had outgrown Leslie. Her YouTube following was taking off. Fans showered her with compliments in the comment sections of all her videos. Online, everyone crowed about how she'd positively affected their lives. Offline, Leslie only seemed to be getting worse. Teal felt that Leslie lacked commitment. She later said during a synchronization workshop that she'd given Leslie instructions on how to improve, only for the woman to stop carrying out her mandates a few days later. 
Teal's narcissism wouldn't allow her to consider that the problem with Leslie's lack of progress might have had something to do with her own inadequacy as a healer. That was impossible. Teal was an Arcturian soul fork crafted by a panel of higher beings to heal the world. Thus, the problem had to lie with Leslie herself. Finally, Teal called Leslie in and sat her down. Enough was enough. Leslie needed to decide whether she wanted to commit to life or not. On May 20, 2012, a few days after her conversation with Teal, John found Leslie prone on her bed, ice cold to the touch. She had been dead for 19 hours. Leslie had taken her own life. Next, Teal's behavior takes a dark turn as she begins inviting followers to live with her in Park City, Utah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I'm just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker. The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. In May of 2012, one of Teal Swan's most devoted followers, 53-year-old Leslie Wangsgard, took her own life. Her husband, John, immediately called their spiritual leader, screaming and hysterically crying, after discovering his dead wife. But Teal seemed almost casual about the news. She later said about her death, Leslie was absolutely miserable. There's nothing any healer could ever do for her type of vibration, which is totally fine. From source energy, there's nothing wrong with death. Teal's claim that there was nothing any other healer could do for Leslie's vibration boiled down to narcissism. She was essentially saying that if she couldn't help heal Leslie's depression, then nobody could. While Leslie's husband may have initially been angry at Teal, by the time Gizmodo journalist Jennings Brown interviewed him, years after his wife's death, it was clear that he didn't hold Teal responsible at all. On the contrary, John viewed Teal fondly, claiming that while he could no longer afford tickets to her workshops, he yearned to one day be reunited with her. As for Teal, Leslie's suicide didn't slow down her ambitions in the slightest. That same year, in 2012, 28-year-old Teal established a company with her ex-boyfriend turned business partner, Blake Dyer. She called the company Teal Eye. In an interview, Teal stated that she wanted to implement positive world change through Teal Eye. Furthermore, she envisioned the company growing to a size that would allow her to buy countries so that she could start doing new societies. In 2012, Teal Eye was nowhere close to implementing such lofty goals. However, Teal was trying her best to create new societies. 
First, she started a Facebook group called Teal Tribe so that her online followers, who had begun to call themselves Tealers, would have a place to congregate digitally. Then, Teal invited her most dedicated Tealers to come live, travel, and work for her as unpaid volunteers. Teal called this cohort of people her intentional community. By 2013, Teal had around eight people in her intentional community. She would soon have a ninth, Cameron Clark. Like so many of Teal's followers, Cameron first discovered her through a YouTube video while she was going through one of her darkest periods in her life. She had just lost her job working as a manager for a Fortune 500 company. Depressed and vulnerable, Cameron was searching for answers. Teal's videos appeared to her like a light in the darkness. After reading Teal's books, her blog, and consuming all the videos she could find online, Cameron decided to fly to Santa Barbara so she could attend one of Teal's synchronization workshops in the flesh. After the workshop, shy but excited, Cameron walked up to meet Teal. Shortly after introducing herself, Teal told her that she was part of a soul family with Blake Dyer. Teal claimed that Cameron and Blake had shared so many past lives together that it was almost boring for the rest of them. Cameron was skeptical, however. Teal's teachings had so resonated with her that she asked if she was a vibrational match to join the intentional community. Teal smiled and said, It's about time. Welcome home. So six months after stumbling upon the first of Teal's videos, Cameron packed up her life and moved to Utah to live and work as an unpaid volunteer. Upon arriving in Utah, however, Cameron realized that Teal was far from the put-together, wise woman she held herself out to be online. Teal adamantly refused to do any household chores. She claimed that chores were triggering for her. She explained that Doc, her alleged childhood abuser, had programmed her in long brainwashing sessions against any form of self-care. According to Teal, Doc shocked her with electrodes any time she tried to touch a dishwasher or washing machine. For that reason, Teal couldn't perform any menial tasks. These would have to be the domain for the volunteers in her intentional community. Even at the height of her belief in Teal, Cameron thought this sounded like a convenient excuse. An early blog post of Teal's seems to confirm this. Teal told a story about how her mother nicknamed her Queen Sheba as a child. Even then, she absolutely refused to do any chores that she considered menial or beneath her. According to Cameron, this mindset also extended to taking care of her son, Winter. Cameron claimed Teal was a parent when it was convenient and fun, but if it was difficult or tedious, if Winter needed a diaper change or a bath, she was nowhere to be found. These tasks were instead fulfilled by volunteers like Cameron. Cameron was also surprised by Teal's relationship with her live-in boyfriend. By 2013, she'd divorced Mark Scott and was in a relationship with a new man. Teal hadn't liked his real name, so she changed it to Fallon. In addition to taking charge over Fallon's identity by changing his name, Teal freely and publicly discussed the intimate details of their sex life. According to Cameron, Teal regaled the members of her community with details about how often she had sex with Fallon, their specific fetishes, even the problems the two were having in the bedroom. 
More concerning, Teal went on these explicit diatribes while her past sexual partners, ex-husband Mark and ex-boyfriend Blake, were in the room. In 2013, all three men lived under the same roof. To Cameron, this seemed like an emotional powder keg for a spiritual leader to be living in. In addition, Teal kept the men wholly dependent on her. Blake, the person who had lived with Teal the longest, had no real relationships outside of her. He allegedly told Cameron that the thought of losing Teal made him want to commit suicide. And as for her newest boyfriend, Fallon, Teal had driven a wedge between him and his family by convincing him he'd repressed memories of his stepfather and grandfather raping him. Fallon could have arrived at this memory during the course of shadow work. However, there's another way he might have come to this belief. According to Cameron, sometimes Teal would just declare that traumatic things had happened to her followers. Due to her extrasensory magical powers, her followers believed she had access to memories that they had no recollection of. In this way, even their histories, their personal stories, didn't belong to them. Teal could dictate and shape the very fabric of their pasts on a whim. The memories she relayed to them weren't restricted to occurrences in the earthly realm either. According to Cameron, Teal often tormented her followers with stories of things that had been done to them by beings from other dimensions. One night, Teal allegedly convinced her live-in PR director that he was brutally sodomized and had spikes driven through his body by gray aliens. Teal talked him through a recollection of this memory until he was screaming. One evening, Teal told Cameron that she had repressed memories of being abducted and raped multiple times by reptilian aliens. Freaked out, Cameron asked her to stop. She had no desire to hear about the memory. Teal ignored her, proceeding to describe in explicit detail how these reptilian creatures had violated Cameron's body. She claimed that she could see inside Cameron. She could see where the reptilians had implanted tracking devices in her. She could see that they had scooped chunks out of her uterus. Then, Teal turned to Fallon and claimed that he was responsible for Cameron's abductions and the repeated violations of her body. Because according to Teal, Fallon's higher self was a reptilian alien overlord. Teal claimed the facial tics Fallon was born with were not a medical condition, but rather proof of his reptilian soul not being completely phased with his human body. Then, at Teal's prompting, a horrified and contrite Fallon apologized repeatedly to Cameron for violating her. In hindsight, Cameron thinks Teal was threatened by her friendship with Fallon, so she concocted this tale to drive a wedge between them. Researchers support this insight. According to a study performed by University of Munster's Stephanie Verst, in romantic relationships, narcissists perceive rivals everywhere. They seek to protect themselves from a negative self-view by derogating others. Though that night was horrifying, it wasn't the event that ultimately convinced Cameron to leave Teal's intentional community for good. Their final blow-up started innocuously enough. Teal had asked Cameron and the rest of the volunteers to read a book called Woman Code. Days later, Teal's cat, Cosmos, rubbed up against Cameron. 
In response, Teal calmly told Cameron that Cosmos was a holographic soul projection from the planet Sirius. By rubbing up against her leg, Cosmos was trying to send Cameron telepathic images of her pancreas to tell her that her blood sugar was off. Cameron replied that she'd just read a passage in Woman Code, the book Teal had asked her to read, that mentioned a connection between the pancreas and blood sugar. Cameron hadn't meant the comment as a reproach, but Teal immediately bristled. Teal accused Cameron of energetically hurling a dagger at her. Then, in front of the other members of the house, Teal systematically broke Cameron down. Her attack culminated in telling Cameron that she was suicidal. But Cameron pushed back on this, insisting she had never been suicidal in her life. Teal doubled down, asking, what if I told you that you were passively suicidal? Again, Cameron rejected this. She would never kill herself. She wouldn't do that to her family. She considered suicide a selfish act. To this, Teal calmly replied, it's about time you were selfish, isn't it? Cameron was stunned into silence, but Teal wasn't finished. She told Cameron that she could see inside her. She could see her thoughts. She could see her vibrations. And Cameron was a match to breast cancer and ulcers. Then Teal told Cameron she needed to decide whether she wanted to commit to life. Those are the exact words she'd used with Leslie Wangsgaard, who had gone on to kill herself. Then Teal told Cameron to get into her car, drive, and decide whether or not she was going to commit to life. In the aftermath of the fight, Fallon was able to convince Cameron to stay. But the altercation destroyed any illusions she had about Teal. When Cameron first came into the house, she believed Teal was an all-knowing, benevolent being who sought only to affect positive change in the world. But by the time Cameron left in 2014, Teal had revealed herself in all her humanity as an unstable, cruel woman who was only interested in serving herself, not wanting to sacrifice any more of her time or sanity. Cameron packed up her bags and left. Just like Leslie's death didn't slow Teal down, Cameron's decision to flee Utah similarly gave her no pause. Teal continued to build her empire, and by 2015, she had 200,000 YouTube subscribers. She held more synchronization workshops in exotic locales across the globe, charging her followers hundreds of dollars per ticket. All the while, the Teal Tribe Facebook group cheered her on, crediting her with radically improving their lives. The next year, Teal's followers amassed to 300,000, and she decided to establish a sacred space for healing in Costa Rica. She called this retreat philia, after the ancient Greek word meaning friendship and affection. Teal charged interested followers thousands of dollars to come to philia, where she trained them to use her new spiritual healing method called the completion process. The completion process was a more intense version of shadow work. Just as before, Teal asked her followers probing questions meant to unearth subconscious negative thoughts. With the completion process, Teal specifically hunted for trauma. In guided visualization exercises, Teal directed her followers to delve into their childhood memories. She helped them find and remedy the core negative traumas she claimed were the source of their present-day malaise. In one online video, Teal walked a follower through a memory of herself as a baby. 
this memory was analyzed as though it definitely occurred, despite the unlikely nature of anyone being able to recollect a clear memory from babyhood. The failure to question the validity of recovered memories means that the completion process, like shadow work, carries the risk of implanting false memories. Despite this risk, in 2016, Teal began charging people $2,600 to become officially certified as completion process practitioners. She even set up a website for these newly certified practitioners to offer their services to the world. Now, they too could guide the public through visualizations of potentially spurious memories. However, now that Teal was on her way to building a global empire, reaching more and more vulnerable people every day, former followers like Cameron Clark began to speak out. She gave interviews about her experience living with Teal. Other critics like Lavon, a New Age blogger, accused Teal of plagiarizing her teachings from a number of online sources, including Wikipedia. Lavon also lambasted Teal for publicly humiliating her ex-boyfriend, Fallon. According to Lavon, Fallon referred to his experience with Teal in a since-deleted blog post, writing, The matriarch tried everything and nothing worked for me. She eventually told me that there was no hope for me and that I should go and kill myself. Just as Teal had implied that Leslie Wangsgaard's suicide was inevitable, Fallon's claims echo similar sentiments. If Teal couldn't help him, he couldn't be helped by anyone. Therefore, he might as well cease living. However, the most significant criticism lodged against Teal didn't come from an ex-follower or an ex-boyfriend. Rather, it came from an impartial mainstream source. In 2018, Gizmodo journalist Jennings Brown mounted a thorough interrogation of Teal and her methods in his incisive podcast, The Gateway. He uncovered the details behind Leslie Wangsgaard's death. He also revealed that two members of Teal's Facebook group, Teal Tribe, also went on to commit suicide. Granted, these suicides might have occurred with or without Teal's content. However, since the creation of her YouTube channel in 2011, Teal has made several videos espousing alarming claims about suicide. Teal has called death delicious and suicide a reset button. She guided her followers through visualization exercises where she asks them to get suicidal and imagine their deaths in graphic detail. In his reporting for Gizmodo, Jennings probed Teal's assertion that nothing could have been done for Leslie Wangsgaard. He interviewed several mental health experts who condemned Teal's approach of asking a suicidal person whether or not they wanted to commit to life. According to these experts, nobody is ever 100% committed to life or 100% committed to death. This suggests that something could have been done for Leslie's vibration, potentially by a qualified mental health practitioner. When Jennings flew to Costa Rica and questioned Teal what qualified her to counsel depressed people, especially in light of the suicides of some of her followers, Teal responded with ire. She insisted that the backlash against her was spearheaded by her haters. She claimed she was qualified to counsel her followers because she felt like she had the answers. Besides, she herself had once been suicidal. Finally, she stated that she could help someone with suicide unless they really didn't want to be here. 
Teal's closer was a reiteration of the narcissistic claim that if she couldn't heal a suicidal person, the issue wasn't with her methods, it was because nobody could. Throughout Jennings' interview with Teal, there was another accusation that she continuously rejected. Teal insisted that no matter what any of her numerous online detractors might claim, she was not a cult leader. Ultimately, Teal's rebuttal was one of semantics. It didn't matter in the case of Cameron or Fallon or Leslie whether Teal adhered to the specific requirements for a cult leader. What mattered was the damage she had wrought upon their lives. Since Leslie Wang's guard's husband, John, still subscribes to Teal's belief system, she's never been charged in connection with Leslie's suicide nor has she been held accountable for the erroneous and dangerous ideas about suicide she's proliferated to her followers, vulnerable people she's specifically targeted for their depression through SEO phishing. Teal continues to make videos online. This means that people struggling with hopelessness or suicidal ideation are still at risk of stumbling onto her content. Furthermore, she is still certifying people to practice the completion process on a public unaware of the method's potential to result in traumatic false memories. In the same breath that she denied being a cult leader, Teal bizarrely told Jennings Brown that though she would never start a cult, she had the perfect recipe for one. And she does. Teal's utilization of SEO to target followers and her cultivation of online spaces to build community are proof positive of a recipe for a new kind of cult, one that operates 24 hours a day, all days of the week, and lives just inside your computer. Thanks again for tuning in to Cults. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Teal Swan, amongst the many sources we used, we found journalist Jennings Brown's reporting and Gizmodo's podcast, The Gateway, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Cults, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Cults on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Joel Stein. This episode of Cults was written by Abiageli Adimegu, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.